Good morning and welcome to Flat Out Recovery. Morning, boys. Good morning. Good morning. And how are we today? Good. Yeah, man, really good. Very well. Happy to be alive. Happy to be clean. Well, absolutely. Enjoying the sunshine. The sun is shining and it's April and, my God, doesn't time go quickly? I know, man. I'm recovering from gardening. The thing about gardening, as opposed to doing some sort of conventional exercise, is you end up using muscles you don't necessarily use all the time. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure on your back sometimes that you don't think about. And of course, there's me, right, right, I've got to do this, right, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, without thinking. Yeah. Well, I went to the gym for the first time yesterday, only in a week. I took a week off because the gym was closed on the, on the first day. I'd go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it was closed on Monday, and I thought, uh, and then I had this almighty thing come over me where I thought, this has messed up my whole week. <laughs> and I thought, right, so I realised there was an issue there, and I thought, you know what, let's have a week off the gym. Because obviously things are going to happen in life, and where things change, I can't be used to everything being happening the same day, the same time, me, really. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, let's have a change. Let's see if I can handle something, and let's make sure I'm not overly addicted to the gym. So I took a week off the gym, and it was fine. I don't think it's a problem having a week off. I really don't. And I had, but I know what you mean about the Monday. Yeah, I was completely discombobulated yesterday because I got home on Sunday night thinking, all oh, right, I've got to go to work. And it wasn't until Monday morning when I sent that message, I thought, well, hang on, no, I don't. Discombobulate. And yeah. I was in, well, kind of, all of all of it. Yeah, well, it sounds like. It's oh, a yeah. fantastic word, discombobulation. I, I come down yesterday. No, I didn't knock or anything. I, I sent a I've message. Up, I know, I am not on the, I wasn't on the group. I was like, I wasn't on the group until this morning. Oh, I was on the phone to my mate though, innit? So I was chatting to, well, chatting to a guy I met at the convention, chatting for like an hour and a half. I walked up there and I was like, you know what? Bank holiday, it twigged. And I was like, so I walked off and I walked around Birmingham on the phone for about an hour and a half. Then I went to the gym. Uh, well, at least it wasn't a complete waste no, of time. No, is that, well, no, 100%, man, it wasn't. It got me out of bed. Well, to be honest, man, I'm, I'm all right. Eight o'clock is like kind of my limit now. Yeah, like, yeah, if yeah. I go past eight, I'm like, yeah. I might as well get up. Yeah, it does change that, doesn't it? Yeah, man. I mean, I've always been ridiculously early getting up in the morning anyway. Yeah. Oh, not me, man. Not my idea of a lion is quarter past seven. That's a long lion, that is. Really? Half, yeah. half eight, nine o'clock. Ten, yeah. ten o'clock's my long lion. Yeah. Mate, it used to be four o'clock in the hour. Mate, I used to <laughs> sleep all day, man. That's what teenagers do, isn't it? Sleep all the time and then claim that they're growing. <laughs> yeah, I, I am growing. I just, I'm not actually 25. I'm 15. Oh, you're actually 15. Yeah, so yeah. the oh, beard yeah, 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 is yeah. just something that's. Well, I'm 15. I and saw a half. this kid getting on the bus the other day, and he had a beard. It looked really stupid. <laughs> it was really kind of fluffy and whatnot, but it looked really odd because he looked really, really young. And he went up to the bus driver and he asked for a half <laughs> for a kids' fair. The bus driver looked at him. Well, what kids? Moustaches and beard. It, nobody had it. The beard was only round his chin. Like, there was no tash. Yeah, was no, yeah, 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 yeah. Just sprouted. Well, well, he's obviously just got that bit where he's getting bits of beard first and it's turned yeah. into an actual beard. Because looking at him, he probably was only about 15. Mm. But it looked yeah, really innocuous seeing a beard on a kid. Mm. Anyway, first things first. Your mum finds a bottle of vodka hidden in a drawer in your bedroom while she's cleaning and accuses you of relapsing. You haven't picked up a drink and you had no idea the bottle was still there, so you assume it was there from before. Do you A. Calmly explain that it's a mistake, 
that you obviously didn't find it when you cleaned up after coming back from rehab, B, fly off the handle and accuse her of gaslighting, C, storm out of the house and go and get drunk because that will teach her, D, tear the room apart in front of her and cause an unnecessary scene, or E, calmly walk out and go to a meeting. They're all viable, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Depending on your headspace, man. Definitely, like, they're all viable. Them, oh yeah, you know what I mean. All like of them the are viable. Smashing the place up. Yeah, well, they can all happen. Yeah. Mm. All depending on what you woke up like, or how you're feeling, or if you're in your shit or not, or whether or not you switch into your shit through that. Like, it's viable for me to just, you know what? It's right when you said about the, I'll go get drunk. That'll teach her. Yeah, mate, I've done that. <laughs> but that's just my addiction running the show. Isn't it mad how yeah, yeah, we could turn, we turn to drinks as like. You know, I'll show you. Yeah, man. That drink, even though it's only going to affect. Well, it will affect them, but it mainly only affects us. The most. The most. The most, yeah. yeah. Being a real scenario, I'd probably just sit down and I'd just laugh it off. I think. I mean, from what it said on the diamond, they were fresh out of treatment. They might not be in the real. Fresh out of treatment, you're not. In the best headspace, man. No, no, I know that when you see people going back to where they've been and trying to clean it up that can be just a straight yeah. trigger uh, yeah definitely because you don't know what you're going to find when you go back to where you've been hiding it I'm still finding stuff you can hide stuff that's been there for however long and then you go back and you start looking saying oh, I'm going to clean up mm. and before you know it you find your full bottle yeah definitely man that's not, that's not good that's the reality of it man like even the place you talk about the allergy and the um the mental and the physical aspect is like that allergy could be set off by anything, man. Yeah, yeah. The thought of it, yeah, someone reenacting what you do, you know, yeah. or even more so if you walk into where you used to use regularly, yeah, and there's a crack pipe there or there's a drink there or whatever your thing may be, yeah. bam, bro, the allergy's raring straight away. Your stomach's flipping, yeah. you everything. And it's going to remind you if you're looking at where you hid it. And you've gone in there to try and tidy it up, and there's like a hundred bottles yeah. behind a bookcase or something. Mm. I did that, mm-hmm. piling them up behind. It's going to show you what you've done. Yeah. It's not just about whether it's there full. It's the, the enormity of what I've done may jump on me, and it might. Well, oh fuck this then. So I can't beat it anyway. I can't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I didn't go back to the place where I was living. Whatever reason it happened, I cut off everything. I just drew a line. And I think because I was in the treatment centre, my getting tempted and stuff like that just it just wasn't there. The temptation wasn't there. But I didn't. I have a place to go back to. I gave that up. My friends, my old friends as well. I just I didn't contact them. I changed my number. And well, that's why you've got to be so definite about this stuff, mm-hmm. isn't it? That's kind of why I've changed my number, man. Been thinking about it for a while, and and I've blocked loads of numbers and deleted others and all of this and and. Uh, I got a few texts saying like you can sort any cage, you know what I mean? I was mm. like, look, man, yeah, I'm getting rid yeah, of this, yeah, bruv. Yeah. Talk about this stuff. So you go to a vodka, or like if I'm in my shit and someone's like you sort any cage, bang, and it's like something kicks off, yeah, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, all right, what have you got? Because then I'm going to stitch them up, then, and yeah. then I'm having their money, and I'm, that was kind of yeah. what I'd done. Like it was, yeah, I thought, fuck this, I ain't risking nothing, man. Like after learning a little bit about what I suffer with, at least the problem, and studying how the problems worked with yeah. me. I'm not willing, man. I realised over the course of the conventions, it doesn't matter if you're from the street or you're intravenous using and you're growing and you can't find a vein or if you're, you're doing... Mate, I am a real addict, yeah, yeah. right? I am, mate. Some people just unfortunately go further down the hole.
going back to a room that I've been in before and I know there are bottles hidden there. If I'm thinking the right way when I come back, it's going to be right, I need to get rid of all those bottles. Mm -hmm. And because I've just come out of rehab, I can be open about this mm. and say, look, I used to hide bottles in this room. Yeah. Couldn't you help me get rid of yeah, them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, my being open about that means that whoever it is knows that I used to hide bottles in that room. Yes. Mm. And yeah, therefore, yeah. you go through the process, you get rid of what you think is everything, mm -hmm. but we hide things from ourselves, don't we? Mm. And having done all of that, because the other person now knows that I used to hide things in there. If they go and have a quick clean up and they find something else, mm. what are they going to assume? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah, what you just said there, man. Like, I suppose viewing it now, the best idea would probably to be is, is you know, go around my room, just do a deep clean of some sort. Yeah. And just bite the bullet, man. Because let's be honest, like you just said, man, you're gonna, you hide stuff from yourself you can't remember, yeah. right? So they're going to find stuff that you don't really want anyone to find, whether that be alcohol, whether that be paraphernalia, whether it be, whatever it is, mm. it's to start getting honest. Because what's going to happen, like, if you go back and it does go pear-shaped and you, one of these scenarios plays out, you're in your shit anyway, man. There's no dodging responsibility, man. It, whether or not I take responsibility now and try to do my recovery properly, or I smoke crack, I ruin my life six months down the line, I've got to take responsibility everywhere, being in jail, I've got to yeah. take responsibility of being in an institution, or coming back and trying to do this again. Either mm. way, I've got to do it. Mm -hmm. I've got to do something about it. Definitely. I think the biggest thing, thinking about this now, I didn't think about it when I put this dilemma together, but it's the back door thing. Because in terms of what I have when I leave rehab, I don't want any loose ends lingering that might easily drag me back. Yeah. And for every back door, for every trap door that we have, there's another one underneath it. Yeah. So why have the obvious ones? And yeah, I think you should be open about what you used to do in terms of hiding it with whoever you're close to so that they know what's a danger for you. But like we were talking about the relationships thing, what you have on your phone and stuff like that, you can't leave anything that is an obvious backdoor. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I'm doing that, I'm saying in my head, actually, I want this backdoor to be there yeah. just in case something goes wrong that I can't cope with. And I've got a reasoned excuse for going back on the pitch. And once that's started, it becomes reasonable. And once I've got one back door, there's yeah, going to be yeah, another yeah. one, isn't there? And, and that worst case scenario becomes just a, oh, anything could go wrong. So you could wake up and the gym's closed, for example, one day. One of the biggest obvious back doors for me was habits. Habits? Yeah. Yeah. Day to day habits. Mm -hmm. Like, what so, do I do in the morning? Right, yeah. Where do I go when I go out? Which routes did I always take? Yeah, which yeah. buses was I always on when I yeah. came out of rehab I had a major opportunity to change that yeah I was living not far away from where I used to live okay but it just took these simple changes like I'm gonna go and shop at that supermarket for yeah. the next six months yeah I'm gonna go this way which meant I had to take a slightly awkward bus for a few months mm. not my preferred route yeah just to get that old habit out of the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because after those six, seven, eight months, whatever it was, mm -hmm. I ended up on the same street that I used to live on, that I used to stumble down every day, a couple of times a day to an off license. And it looked like nothing after a few months. But if I'd gone there straight away, oh, yeah, it'd have been flooding over me. Again, I was fortunate enough to just not even have to step foot, step foot anywhere that I used to go. 
uh, drink or use or whatever. Just manage to draw a line, fortunate. But it's important that we do, mm. because the simplest things can be the back door. I try and leave trap doors for myself when I'm early on. Mm. You try and leave them for yourself? Yeah, and that's where reservations come yeah, from. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, well if that happened, yeah. well obviously I couldn't live like this, could I? Because we're full of that shit when we just come out of a treatment or however we've done the detox and stuff. Mm -hmm. We're full of those ideas and they'll get the better of us if we don't create new routines. This is a dilemma, is unavoidable, isn't it? Yeah, you're trying to clean up, you've gone back to a place that you, could, you haven't chosen, you've gone back to it, there is a bottle there and someone is saying to you, mm. you're back on the piss. But aren't we going to get those kind of comments being made anyway? We are going to get those comments made and I suppose it depends on the, on the relationship with whoever. If you can't explain to your mum, she's not going to believe you, which you know, there is a chance that she won't, then I just would go to a meeting. Yeah. I'll just go to a meeting and have a good old sit down and think, you know, and that will give me a moment of clarity over the whole situation. I'm going to be able to handle it better. I'm going to go back and just explain, you know, what it looks like. Because what it ultimately boils down to in terms of, well, speaking as one who has been well away from booze and then picked up, is that all that really matters in that is that I know Yes. yes. So if someone says to me, you've had a drink and I know that I haven't, all that matters is that I know that I haven't. Yeah. This is the, the start of that self-worth. Once yeah, yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. a bit of self-worth, I don't need your gratification, I don't need your validation, you can think what you want. I know I'm clean, bro. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that is good enough for me, man. Definitely. But let's be honest, when people start firing it about and everyone's all these rumours and gossip, look, man, Gossip kills. Gossip kills, man. It really does. Especially like if you're in your shit, bro. You just left treatment, mate, and everyone's saying you relapse and you're clean. Similarly, if I have picked up a drink and I haven't told anyone, I know. Yeah, and yeah. I know that I'm sitting in a room and pretending to be sober, and I know I'm a fraud. Yeah. And that is really, really dangerous because then I'm on the edge of, oh, I can't fess up now. And then after three or four weeks of faking it, then the wheels come off. It's frightening, isn't it? Because that's what happens to people. You get a conscience and it's like suddenly being a fraudster is now a problem. Because <laughs> you've got to fess up at some point if you're doing that. Of course that. you have, because anyone who's done that, I've seen countless people do it, I've done it myself. Your life then becomes false, doesn't it? Yeah. Everything someone says to you, or everything you say to someone else. You're nodding your head and it's bollocks. It, it, Everything's you know based I mean? on a lie. It's all based on one little And lie. of course the rooms become meaningless if I've Everything. picked up. Yeah. I'm thinking, why am I wasting now an half in here? It's like, you're sat there, you say if you had a little drink, and it's like, you're sat there, it's like, mm, I'm chatting shit. I might as well go full Yeah, I'm I might as well it. have a right good go, and then I'll, I'll have come a proper back good go, yeah, and then I mean, I'll come back. <laughs> then I can start with a clean slate, and nobody will know I lied in the room. Yeah. It'd be perfect if you had a little drink, because then it would give you the golden ticket to go and have a proper. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't yeah, be, it'd be like, you know, but, now. But, I've had relapses the last two months, I've had relapses the last week, a day, and I'm back, you know, two years, a year. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. get a choice, bro. No, no, and no, even no. if I'm like two years, yeah, and I'm like trying, oh, I'm going to need a meeting, bro. I get on the meeting and I'm online, or I'll go to a meeting and then bang, I'm going to smoke and crack afterwards. Or I spot someone that's definitely still using and I'm like... I think we have enough things thrown at us in early recovery anyway 
therefore we shouldn't be making trapdoors for ourselves. No. Because if we're getting scepticism from our friends and family, which is understandable, and it's completely understandable that they're going to be on eggshells, that they're going to be on a knife edge, thinking, oh, it's all going to happen again. And at the first possible sign, they're thinking, oh, no. That's going to happen anyway. Gossip's going to happen anyway. So why would I make it more difficult for myself on top? Mm. Unlike you were saying about the relationship stuff before we started, yeah. that why would I set that up as soon as I've left rehab? Because it's a hiding to nothing. It's difficult, isn't it? Because your addiction or whatever part of you is trying to latch onto something that's going to give you instant gratification and tell you that you're going to be loved because I don't love myself. Yeah. Today I feel like I'm all right. I'd actually like myself, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fresh out of treat, yeah, yeah. Just I got haircut and that, so. It's, but fresh out of treatment, you're looking for anything. I'm kind of like, I don't know, because I left groups, mate, and I was on Tinder like a madman. I'm in, I'm, I'm in a city, well, the second yeah, city yeah. in England, yeah. And I found out of swipes, mate, and I bought the whole year when I was off my nut, mate. I swiped out, bro, and I and I noticed I had like Poff, I had Badu, I had Tinder, and another one, and I had no swipes left on any of them. Bit of grinder in there. No, no, no grinder. But what I'm saying is, it manifested. Yeah. And it was like, I just wanted something. And I still do today. But I'm well aware of the fact of, uh, I need to bide my time, mate. Because yeah. I'm, I'm well above. Maybe I'm kind of getting this a little bit, but emotionally, emotionally stable? No. Definitely That's the problem, not, man. Isn't it? uh, I mean, yeah, but if, I, if feelings and strong emotions get thrown into the mix, I don't think I'd bode too well, man. So Yeah, I'm very conscious of that as well. Yeah. I've got to steer clear a little bit. It is hard, and I think you have to have... The fallback plan would be that if that relationship didn't work out, that you've still got your recovery. Still got my recovery. You've still got somewhere to be... I think it's important yeah. that you have things in place first, and speaking as one who... I got through the early parts, I got in a relationship, that mm -hmm. relationship ended. Mm -hmm. There's no way I'd have coped without what I had in, in place. place. In so if you two had got together in Because I was on the edge as it is no. when that ended. But I had a fallback yeah. because I had the work I'd done before mm -hmm. and I had the people I had and mm -hmm. I had the relationships I had with other people in recovery. Therefore, it wasn't be all and end all and I hadn't invested everything in that one thing. Yeah, definitely. And it's never easy when you have a life event. Mm. However, coping with life events when you've got some recovery behind you is a damn sight more possible yeah. than coping with life events if you've got no recovery behind you. And I can see from my experience why it's bonkers to shack up with someone or to get deeply yeah. involved with someone immediately. I've seen it happen. Yeah. And I did it myself, and I've seen someone else do it, where they're not doing anything while they're in rehab, mm -hmm. but they're planning it, yeah, and they're justifying to themselves, oh, well, we're not doing anything now, so we're not breaking the rules. But emotionally, it's already happened. Yeah. yeah. I see all the time that these relationships break up, and early recovery people just relapse. It doesn't have to be written down, it's not something I've, I've learned, it's something I've seen, and I've seen it over and over and over again. But uh, like, on the other hand, in all honesty, like, I know people that have, they're still together. Mm. But I think that's the poignant piece, yeah? They're mm. still together. Mm. They're having to split early on. Are or, they able to 
split yeah, I, and I don't, still stay no, either way either way are they codependent yeah they're, co- are they're codependent being dry because it's all very well it could be two years three years but if you can't cope with the split because you haven't learnt those skills in recovery because suddenly they become your higher power and that higher power's gone your recovery's in their hands and that's gone it's been smashed on the floor it's different but if you can come back it's not actually coming back is it it's actually well a relationship is just another part of your life so if that it, part gets taken away you've still got the other parts i.e your recovery i.e somewhere to live your meetings and stuff and it's just a little like a peg that comes out all goes in it doesn't become a part of or take something away from your life it's just an addition if you like 100 percent, man it's a gift of recovery isn't it mm. and it ain't easy as far as i'm concerned yeah. i've never really had a meaningful deep romantic relationship yeah i've never let myself get above you get feelings in a bit i'm gone so i was like i was so scared so like yeah i didn't want to get vulnerable it's like i just i didn't want to get vulnerable yeah whatever happens and i am gonna have to have some more good conversations like look man and then i'm gonna have to put myself on there and get vulnerable and be prepared for Rejection. Yeah, but when your self-worth is the way it should be, it's not some awkward conversation. It's, this is me and this is what I've been through, this is what I've done, and, you know, be proud of that. that, that Own it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that, I'm getting there. If somebody there, can't man. accept you for that, then jog on. Yeah, you bang on, innit? But it's mm. like, self-worth takes a long time, bro. I was speaking about this last night with, with Neil, actually. I was with Neil <clears throat> about how, like, my self-worth was so low, my niece and my nephew would take the piss out of me. They're little kids are just joking, innit? But they've tapped into something. Like, my self-worth was so low. If I felt threatened, mate, by anyone, like, I was just so... Anger, bang, straight away, poof. That was how I dealt with everything. It was just... My niece yeah. and nephew used to call me names, and I used to get... used to put me in my sheet, man. Yeah. Real bad. Didn't I that? think there's a thing about self-acceptance, isn't it? Because... If I've gone through this process where I accept where mm. I've been, what I've done, who I am, what I have to change now, and that I've not quite found myself in recovery yet, but it's coming, then it's much easier to find acceptance around something going wrong. Yeah. Because the reality is things are going to go wrong in recovery. And I'm not going to cope with something going wrong in recovery in the first few months. Mm. Not unless I've already started building some considerable blocks to hold me up in that recovery whereas if what I'm doing is I'm investing everything in one place yeah all my eggs are in one yeah. basket yeah. Yeah. yeah I have no real self-acceptance and I haven't found my own sober journey no then this means that the minute that situation goes awry I'm done for gone yeah whereas if I go into something knowing that I have my own stability yeah. that's born of something else mm-hmm then I can find some acceptance over something that doesn't work out the way that perhaps it might have done, which I had to find in December, January, February, because of course I didn't want it to end the way it ended, but I had to find some acceptance over that. Because it was going to happen, like, yeah, and, yeah. And I had to find some acceptance over something ending that I didn't want to end and that I wouldn't have had happen like that. <coughs> And that something that I was formally convinced was meant to be turned out to be not quite so meant to be. Whereas if that had happened from immediately coming out of rehab, that I'd have been done for. Done for. I'd yeah. been done for. 
because the other thing that I did off the back of that was I engaged with my psychiatric support as well which yeah. I knew I had to because I'd been avoiding that in the summer mm. funny you should say that my therapy's coming to an end and it is a little bit worrying but I'm not using that as my number one support system right but I kind of know it's there like when it's coming yeah. and I'm like alright I've got the therapy session I'm, I'm I've worked through a lot of the trauma, but I've had to go out and, and I've looked up a charity that is suitable because I need something else, man. I need, I, 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 yeah, I need a back, like you're saying about, I need something because I don't want to, I know I'm vulnerable, man. I know I'm, I know it doesn't take much and I don't really know. And I've done a lot of work, but I'll, I'll carry on. I've you got something aware. else in place. I've got more support because I need something. There is, like we say to our listeners as well, there is loads, loads of Loads of help. If a support group's coming to an end, then obviously get latched onto another support group. There's something else. Always keep some form of support group going. And if one's dropping off, then obviously there will be one that can replace it. And I mean, with regards to the addiction side of things, man, you find the unity within the brooms. My circle's relatively small, but I know I've got some good pals. And they know what I'm on about. Like, oh, my head's saying this. Okay, yeah, me too. Like, sometimes, probably, we've had phone calls here. We're probably both in our shit. But I'm in my shit. And I'm consoling him, and then he's consoling me. Yeah. My head is not okay sometimes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I need a bit of peer support. And I've been so reluctant to get that all my life, man. But the thing is, we find that in the rooms. Yeah, 100%. And if we've mm-hmm. gone to find that, it means that when our head goes up our arse at 2 o'clock in the morning, or whenever it is, we can make a phone call. Oh, yeah. Whereas yeah. people who come straight out of treatment and invest everything in one person... Mm. Or, or two people yeah. and they get this bizarre all eggs in one basket and everything is conditioned it's the same as having everything being conditioned by alcohol and drugs I mean, you, you and as soon as it doesn't replace the alcohol and drugs, the alcohol and drugs are back God bless grandmas oh, <laughs> they, they tell us all this stuff don't they, don't put your eggs in one basket and don't do this I don't ever remember mine saying that. I I had a message this morning, what I mean, this morning. I think it come from Neil, actually. And it was to do with God bless grandma. And I thought, you know what, you're right. (laughs) Bless her. My nan was, uh, she was amazing, she was. Such a sweet woman, man. Lovely at my nans. Mm. I haven't got any left, God rest her soul. I've got a nan left. She's lovely, but she's hard work. Mine would all be well over 100 if they were still here. They were all born just before World War One, or at the beginning. Is it? Mm. Yeah. My father was a war baby. Yes, that's just showing my age, isn't it? Anyway, Ronnie, do you have something for us? Yeah, I... Um, you do? Marvellous. Yeah, just... Well, you always do. I always say this, it's a very quick one. <laughs> when it is very quick And then one. you come up with something that's so inflammatory. <laughs> alcohol addiction, colon if that's the right thing. Trying to go sober without any funding. That's the headline. And it's Carly Reed used to drink up to five bottles of wine a day, but she has checked into a clinic as she tries to get sober. Basically, it's just talking about if you've got no money and trying to get sober with no money. And she talks about alcohol and drug addiction in England, commissioned by local authorities with health funding from the government. However, free use of residential rehabilitation where addicts stay in a monitored environment away from home is usually only offered after community treatments. It's talking about like the accessibility. But didn't we find the other week that there isn't really anything? 
this is why I thought it was interesting because I have to question what I've looked up the week before yeah. because I'm reading something new each week and it's like they're not even the same we're in the same country I think Ronnie what's happening is because you were on the government website weren't you when they were saying about how much money they were pumping in yeah and then we found something that directly contradicted it of course yeah you're um, always going to have the party line but then you have what's really happening on the ground. Yeah. And some of the papers will toe the party line. Well, this is the BBC. But some of them will tell you the truth. Organisations which provide treatment say their funding has not kept up with demand and has been slashed nationally over the last five years. Yeah, it has. We've found that, didn't we? Well, we know that yeah. because of the environment we work in. So they've had a 30% increase in demand for alcohol and addiction and... Increasing demand, so yeah, and obviously the same uh, loss. The beds are cut from 22 to 14. It's been because we've got to look at who we can support and who we... Yeah, it's just saying that people are going into having to pay for their treatment. Do you think the fact that you're finding this disparity in the articles is an element of smoke screening? I think it is. In that the party line is trying to tell us, yeah, there's all this money, Mm -hmm. but then the real people, and we know most of them, or types like them mm-hmm. are saying well there isn't anything and the reality is that no matter how much we hear from the party line it isn't really happening because people are having to pay to get into a rehab even a place where they don't pay for treatment they've got to pay to go in so again i mean within a few paragraphs down it's, it's going a spokesman for the department of health and social care said the government was providing 533 million pound of new funding over three years for drug and alcohol treatment which is a different figure to the one that we had the other way completely different wasn't it yeah she said this included funding to increase the availability of inpatient detoxification beds so again, it's just talking about the entry getting in there and saying now the government are promising and at the minute we're still... And that article's about one person going in. Yeah, this was about one person going in. She just gives a little rundown of how, <coughs> basically how she was finding it to get yeah. in. She actually talks about her actual ordeal of how she felt, so she cried her eyes out when I came in here. But she got in to a rehab. She was worried about returning home afterwards, but I think that they're not providing that much support when they've gone through the treatment centre. In some of the treatment centres, I'm not saying all of them, and she was worried about the aftercare, and I suppose if you haven't got the money to fund it, then obviously you've got to... And aftercare's the key, really. Yeah, aftercare. For a lot, because to sustain any kind of time, being clean and sober, you need aftercare. You can't just go in for a month and then everything's hunky-dory. No, don't worry like that, man. And the fact that we're finding all these conflicting figures, that suggests to me that no-one's been straight about the figures and it's not clear to anyone mm-hmm. what is and isn't available, which yeah. means we're ever more reliant on charities. I think this lady has had to stump up the cash and, you know, she talks positively about the treatment centre. She said, Whereas when, you, when you're in rehab, you're controlled and you learn... They teach you and they look after you. It does cost a lot of money, but the way I am, I needed it. So it's, it's positive the way she talks about the treatment. So we just need more access to it, really. But that's the thing, man. How many people are actually able to pay two grand a week? How much is it? There are a number of places. Up. I've heard of quite a few places recently where they're charging a couple of grand to get in. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. once you're in, you yeah. don't pay. Or it's paid via a combination of a benefit installment, yeah, yeah, and it's heavily subsidised. But there's still often this 
flat fee to come in because they can't afford, I suppose it's particularly as charities, to just take anyone in anymore. And that's tragic when you think about it because 10 years ago you could get in on a charity bed yeah. in a lot of places. There is help with that though. There are, off the top of my head, I don't know the names, maybe I could look into it for next week's show, but there is uh, places that will look at, is it CGL? They will look at getting you funding to get into a charity bed there is some funding but yeah. i think ronnie what you're finding in those articles is that it's not clear what funding it's not there is it's not reason. clear and you have to really really do the homework and, and it's probably different by region isn't it yeah too? it's probably different by region but there is places that will sponsor you obviously if they believe that you're keen to really get this program they'll sponsor you so they'll pay for you two grand to get into a treatment center and they will also pay if you need to pay any more. The big concern with that for me though is that there are not clear pathways. This is what I'm thinking, there's no clear pathways and suddenly even if you know where the pathway is, the pathway is quite a long path and there's plenty of turnings, it's like a maze. So Yeah, so there's no clear pathway and also how do you qualify? Yeah, how would you qualify? You know, does it mean that you've got to have seriously bad blood tests? Does it mean that you've got to be physically ill? Does it mean you've got to be on death's door? So does it mean you've got to be coming in and just saying, I want to be abstinent? Does it mean you can just go in and say, I'm done for? Well, this is only going to treat people, by the sounds of it, the ones that are on death's door, compared to somebody who's recognising they've got a problem, maybe haven't lost everything yet. Maybe they'll find it harder to get in. Because um, this goes back to the guiding beginning of AA, because at the beginning of AA, the first 100 or 94, depending on how you read it, they were absolute dead-end drunks. Yeah. They were absolutely at the end of Low bottom, They were at death's them. door. But then, after a period of time, they started getting people in who weren't at death's yeah. door, who weren't physically gone, who hadn't lost everything they ever owned. People who'd still got their house, people who'd still got their wife, husband, mm-hmm. people who'd still got their children. And gradually, the bar was raised. And actually, around the rooms, the bar is now clearly there anyone who's got a problem with alcohol or drugs yeah is welcome you know what I mean you don't have to have lost your house you don't have to have been in institutions you don't have to have been resuscitated in A&E you don't have to have done all these things however in these treatment pathways it kind of implies Mm -hmm. by the fact that this woman has to go through several hoops to get funded it implies that you've got to be fucking ill Mm -hmm. do you know what as well like you said there about losing your house, losing this, isn't it? A lot of people manage to hold it together until they're going to die. Some people do, man. I wasn't one of them, but some people can hold it together, hit work Monday to Friday, until they're about to fucking die. And they're on death's door, but they're still working, and that's I've the delusion. I've people die while still at work, still and everyone's yeah. saying, I didn't realise anything was wrong. It's insane, you know? That wasn't my story, I just... That, that wasn't me, man. See, I, well, your work got in the way of my using, by the way. But oh, it, I agree. That yeah. was it for me. That work was in the way of my using, but then I realised I need the job. But like, again, thanks to job. work and my obsession with work, I barely drank for long periods. I went into work and like, I, I used in work as well. Drive yeah. over the limit, didn't you, as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to smoke weed. I used to smoke bongs. That was the weed. Uh, weed would get me through the day, and then when the night bang, you know what I mean? The night that I finished work, and I either smoked loads of weed or. And it just progressed, as it does, you know. But 
I'll be in my car in, in the car park, popping off a couple of bongs, mate, blow out the window, go back and work, oh, proper yeah. stone. And I'm welding, yeah? Mm. I'm welding, I'm putting up structural bits on machinery and welding together back gates on big things that are going to go on the road and yeah, it's not yeah. good. Like, I heard a share from a surgeon once. <laughs> about only being able to do an operation after a certain amount of booze was governing the hands yeah. and not being able to operate if they'd not had a drink yeah. and that is frightening Men Although I can see it, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's like I mean they do it in that Denzel Washington film, don't they? When he's got to go into court, and John Goodman comes in and gives him various combinations of drugs and whatever to get him to a level whereby he looks coherent, <laughs> and it's completely plausible. You see, I know this. I could have been knowing that I'm going in for an interview or a, an assessment or something where I've got to look presentable. And I get up at four o'clock that morning and I'm staggering about, barely know my own name, covered in sick and piss and whatever. And so off come those clothes, long shower as soon as I can do it. The only clean clothes I can find or the nearest to clean I can find. And I'm having just enough booze to get me to the point where I seem to be perfectly there. And I'm judging it just to the point where I'm perfectly there and I seem to be quite presentable <laughs> and all of that, and I stop. And I know that as soon as I've done that interview or assessment, I can hammer it. Uh, yeah. And I'm not the only one who's done that. I know I'm not. No, no I recall no, mornings. No, you know, for me, I'd never really... I'd never have managed work like that because of what I did for a living. Yeah. It would have been impossible. I remember yeah. only having half an hour's, usually if I was having a, um, a drink and I was having cocaine, I'd only have about half an hour's sleep. Yeah. I always remember looking in that mirror after ironing my shirt and having a shower, doing my tie, and you wouldn't have thought anything of, of it looked just completely normal, going into work, normal, but inside was a rat race, it was horrible inside, it was like, oh, what am I doing? And But on the outside it looked fine, no problem. It was horrible, man. I remember going to, trying to get to sleep and the alarm going off. And I remember like trying to get to sleep for two hours, mate, the alarm. And I was a scaffolder as well, like, at the time. <gasps> scaffolder? And I was like, oh, you know, I've got to get up. And it's hard work, man. It was freezing, you got wet gloves, everything's wet. You get back in the van, you get warm, you're on the way to the next job. Oh, yeah, nice, get out of the van, Baltic. I'm and then oh, I just remember being like, I can't do this. And what did I do? And when I've done it many other times, you know, every time I can't do this. I didn't want to do it, but I could not bring myself to not do it. Because <laughs> I'm powerless, oh, man. Step oh. one. It just becomes normal, doesn't it? It just becomes normal, like having breakfast. It's like, I have difficulties put, saying no to a bar of chocolate. It really yeah. goes through my head. It's in the fridge. I bought a bar and it was that big, like, it's 360 grams for the listeners, but it was that big. I'm going to have this as my Easter treat because I didn't have any eggs. I got no eggs at Easter. So I thought, you know, where's my chocolate? So, and I couldn't stop until it had gone. The whole bar. The yeah. Whole bar. Can't ration it. No. At the moment, I'm like, especially with music and stuff, I'm at the point of where it's like, before I get right stuck in, I stop. Because when I go, I'll sit up for days, mate. Eight in the morning to like six the next day in the afternoon, just when I'm trying to go to bed and I'm like, and I'm like, right, I'm gonna put some TV on and try to watch it and I'm watching TV like, I'm gonna make some music. It'll be playing in my head and I'm like, I could, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on there and like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I'm like Mario Bros. 
That's what I was playing last night on my Mac. <laughs> New Mario, the wicked. So that's what you got a Mac for? So you could play Mario? Yeah. Oh dear me. I put an, an emulator on there. What's an emulator? It's like it turns the Mac into a Wii. Nintendo Wii. Yeah. I played Mario and Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. Okay. Anyway, to return to the point, do you think that with accessing treatment, the issue is that there's no clear pathway? It's not clear how ill you have to be. And yes, definitely. Therefore, people are clutching at straws thinking, how do I present myself in such a way as to get funded? Yeah, of course, definitely. When we don't know how much funding there is because the number keeps changing and there's probably less than anyone saying in terms of the party line, which means that people are perhaps not looking for treatment because they think they're not ill enough. Or, or is it just a Because they're at work or because their family keeps saying, oh, you just need to snap out of it and therefore they don't go for treatment yeah. and therefore it gets worse and worse and worse and they start losing things. And then it's that right, I'll go now. <laughs> now I've fucked everything up a bit more. Yeah, it's, it's just, I think... Early intervention would solve an awful lot of things, wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't think so. From my perspective, man. You know when you have your family come in and they're like, and no, I'm like, fuck I don't, off, I don't, <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. No, I, don't, <laughs> I don't mean early intervention. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't mean staging an intervention. I mean intervention as in terms of treatment possibilities. Yeah, yeah. If someone goes into their doctor and their liver is about to go. seriously complaining mm -hmm. and the doctor ascertains as to why these bloods are off, then they start offering something straight away. It doesn't mean most people will take it. Of course they won't. But if there's a clarity there, yeah, you can do this, then there's this far more this. chance of people coming to treatment as a matter of course. Mm. Whereas if the implication is you've got to be on your knees and you've got to have sold your last DVD yeah. before we'll even consider you, then mm -hmm. people aren't going to apply. Not until they've reached the crisis point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you suggest that there are interventions possible and you make it clear what people need to do, mm. then more people would go to treatment. But maybe that's not what they want. They don't want people to go to treatment, do they? Because oh, it costs money. You know what? What do they actually want? You know, what is their agenda, man? What do they know that we don't? What are they trying to say? Oh, oh, oh. So, it's evil, all of it. Yeah, it is, man. I mean, it really is, like. Anyway, we have run out of time, believe it or not. Yes, we have. I'm going to have to doctor this recording because for some reason Audacity is misbehaving today. So I'm going to have to re-level the volume on it, as we can see. Look at a big screen. boy limiter on it. <laughs> anyway, we have been talking about treatment, I suppose. So, I mean, in terms of that, we would stress that it is out there. And that actually, you don't need to have lost your house, your family, all your friends and everything you ever owned mm -hmm. to go into treatment. No, no, man. No, it's man. not compulsory to have lost everything. Definitely not, and also when it comes to funding and pathways and stuff like that, treatment centres and charities will be more than willing to give you that direction of which is the best best route to take. So don't be, ever be afraid of calling them because you don't know whether you've got to give them cash and this that and the other because there's always a way. And it's always a question of just asking and being persistent because mm -hmm. the fact is, if alcohol and drugs are having a negative impact on your life. 
However big or small that impact is, it's still something that needs to be addressed. Definitely. 100%. Anyway, we will love you and leave you, and we will see you and hear you soon. Oh, you'll hear us, I mean. Hear you soon? <laughs> doesn't sound wrong. No, we doesn't. Oh, I don't know. We'll be back next we'll week. We'll be back soon. See you in a bit, guys. Bye-bye.